0: Welcome to Living Life as a Visual Thinker. I'm Betty Fetter, and I want to share what it means to be a visual thinker. We'll find out how it affects us at school and on the job, and we'll share success stories from visual thinkers young and old. Hi, welcome back. You know, today I wanted to share some thoughts about um, first grade, our grandson's experience in first grade as a visual learner. It was a a bumpy year uh, we all made it out in uh, happy and and healthy but it was a bumpy year and you know it can be tough for some visual learners in fitting in the education system but it kind of depends on how visual we are versus how left brain or or you know the extre- you know how extreme certain classrooms or situations could be in in the left side of the brain. So, so I just wanted to share some thoughts, and I hope that by sharing this, I would encourage you in your experience or just even help you identify what areas might be about the classroom and what might be about where your child um, is struggling. So First, let me share our grandson and his mom have lived with us for a couple of years. And, you know, she's a single mom and and came to live with us with her son. And, of course, as a mom, I've enjoyed it. And it's been great for her to have the extra help of um, our family, you know, with her son and herself. So, um, So I say all that just in that we have an unusual amount of, Inside, or that we participate more in school, or in going to an open house, or homework because of them living with us. So, you know, my grandson went to a preschool and kindergarten at a at a private school, and it was a more of an all day program. And in fact, my daughter teaches at the same organ at the same um, school, and. It was a great experience. It was a very multisensory, um, lots of learning, lots of subject matter. Yes, writing, reading, um, very tactile math, you know, so we thought he was well prepared. And our own kids had gone to programs like this with um, through kindergarten and, you know, transitioned really well into the um, classroom. So when it was time for first grade, we were all excited. We had gone to the school and, you know, driven by, and it was an absolutely beautiful facility. Um, It's not the same school district. Our kids went to school, and we moved just a little bit further west. It's the neighboring school district. It's a brand new school. It's like seven years old. It's in a beautiful neighborhood, very nice homes. Um, lovely piece of property. They have the best of everything. They have, you know, just the building is great. They still have art, music, gym, library. They have all that. You even enter the building and the very first room at the very center of the building is the art class. I mean, it's the art room. Gorgeous, beautiful room. But I must admit, as the year went on, we basically heard nothing about that or, or saw very little. But um, but it was there. So we were excited about this is going to be a great experience. So, you know, mom and, and child went off and got all their school supplies, got all ready, got the new backpack, you know, did everything and, and um, you know, went to the school for the supply drop off and, and meet the teacher. And, you know, it was great. They're excited. And, but, you know, my daughter noticed and, and kind of commented and turned out to be a tad um, like prophetic, but she said, you know, there were just a beautiful classroom, only 20 kids in a room. And for first grade in a public school, that's pretty remarkable, right there. But so, you know, just beautiful room. And um, she said, there were so many words everywhere, like every part of this walls and bulletin boards and, you know, everything was just covered in just a lot of words. Now, it was beautifully done. It was very attractive, but there were a lot of words. There were also lots of baskets of books. Now, this is a good thing. Books are good. We had always read to our grandson. He loves books. He loves being read to. And he was at that real exciting time of learning to read And, um, so, you know, books are good, but there were a lot of books. There were a lot of baskets of books and even this area that was screened off to make a little separate section, but words and buckets of words everywhere and just buckets of books everywhere. So, you know, it was good. It was great. We were all excited. Um, at some point we, we went to the open house and my husband and I did go to the open house and, Oh, I, I was a little bit concerned at the end of it because, you know, I thought he's going to talk about, hey, this is what's going on for the year. And we have art class and gym class. And, you know, there's just a lot that this school had that a lot of schools don't have anymore. And I thought that's something to be really proud of, you know, of, of the 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 wholeness or the all the aspects of education that were still being brought to these kids that were important. So, but instead, the conversation was much more about test scores. These are the kind of test scores we had last year. This is um, the kind of planning that we've done as a district, as a school. This is our; these are our goals for this year. This is where we're going to go. This is what we're going to do, and there was just so much test score, test score, test score. I got to say, I've read a lot about this. And because of my work with being visual and, and my book and all that, like, I've read a lot of negatives on this, but I was really surprised to experience it on parent night. And there seemed to be kind of some concern in the audience. But then there was other people that were like, yeah, you know, it's going to be my kid, you know, with those great scores. While a few other people look like eh, a little trepidation. But, you know, again, it's just parent night. It's not every day in the classroom. So, you know, we, the school year started and You know, our grandson was taking a bus, we sat outside, we got the backpack, he's off to school, we're waving, he's, you know, everything looks great, making new friends, and and this was a great new adventure. He was very excited. But, unfortunately, after um, pretty early in the year, it kind of started to go a little bit sour. And, unfortunately, there were some reports of bad behavior that he was being resistant he was being disrespectful he there was these this anger or being the class clown kind of being really loud and disruptive and distracting this was really confusing to us because this is not how he acts like it was like a different child went he became a different kid when he went to first grade so kind of didn't understand what was going on. But of course, this behavior is not okay. And so, you know, we were in communication with the school, communication with the teacher, and with him, you know, like, what's going on? This is not okay. This is how you, you know, so there was lots of conversation, discipline, follow through, whatever it was, you know, sometimes he just didn't do certain kinds of work or He even would break pencils rather than have to do the work. We were completely confused at what was bringing this on. Like, this was just not who he is. Now, he is a visual learner. Oh, my goodness. He is really a visual learner. Very spatial. Oh, my gosh. The Legos, the art, the ideas, the... You know, he's always making something, imagining something, doing something. He loves to be read to. He loves stories. He loves movies. He just, he's a creative, exciting kid with a great vocabulary, a great mind, a great curiosity. But when it comes time to sit still and write which is challenging for visual learners when it comes time for math, when it comes time for reading, turns out this is not his favorite thing to do. And yet there was just a different edge to this that we couldn't put our finger on. Why was it this extreme of behavior in him? So we were really working on what was going on with him and wanting to get to the bottom of it. And so we didn't really understand what it was. And so one night, you know, we were, we were, we were going to do some reading and I said, uh, you know, pick a book or I, then I went and picked a book. So I picked this book and I picked a book um, and I showed it to him and I said, oh, you know, you're going to read this book to me this huge panic came over him, just this, just wave, wave of panic. And I said, you know, what's what's going on? What's wrong? And he said, I can't read that book. Like, I don't remember that book. And I said, well, honey, you don't have to remember the book. We're going to read the book. You know the words in this book. Well, long story short, it turned out that he felt like when you go to read a book, you read what you remember. So we have so many books in our house, and we had read so much to him and gone to the library so much. He had a pretty good experience or breadth of um, experience with books. But when he went into the classroom he saw all those books that he didn't know. And he didn't remember all those books. So when it came time to read, this huge panic came over him in the classroom of, I can't do this. Like, I don't know these books. I am in way over my head, you know. And then the same thing was happening with writing or some things with math. So he turned out he was doing these inappropriate behaviors as sort of a distraction for people to figure out he didn't know. So instead of um, uh, admitting he didn't know what to write, you know, he would break his pencils or he would be disruptive or be the class clown or just make noise. Now, none of that's okay. Like, we it's one thing to understand where it's coming from, the behavior was still not okay. But oh my gosh, to understand the panic in him, that every day he was going in, and again, this room was really full of books, was really full of words everywhere. And he went in there every day and said, I'm in way over my head. Like, I don't know any of this. The discourage and the fear and the anxiety on him were just heartbreaking, just heartbreaking. So, of course, we talked that out and we wrote a note to the teacher and explained he's not being defiant. He's scared. He doesn't know. And, of course, we talked to him about the teacher is there to help you find the book that will work for you. And it she did and she got it. We, you know, kind of worked through that particular cycle and it got better for a while because, you know, we understood, you know, what was driving that part of the behavior. And oh, we were also hopeful and, and there was this, you know, great relief there. Now this was really early in the year, but fortunately we saw that. So but unfortunately his feelings of anxiety and inadequacy were in a lot more areas than picking a book. So um, in math class, there was a lot of, um, in the basic math, he did fine. He did what other, um, you know, his activities and worksheets and all that it was fine. But again, oh my gosh, there were so many papers in this class, so many worksheets, so many papers. I mean, I was going to take pictures of just the mountains of papers that these kids brought home and that they did at home or they did in class. And, you know, visual learners are not worksheet kind of kids either. And the amount of writing, writing is challenging. The physical act of writing and then this originating content for your journal every day or for stories every day. So there were just those particular things, reading, handwriting, writing, and math, there's certain aspects of those particular subjects that are really challenging for visual kids. And in this particular classroom, they were just really amplified. Like there was one way to do this, and it was going to be this way. And unfortunately, it didn't quite match his kind of thinking and his way of operating. So again, there wasn't that kind of adaptation or kind of let's have a couple other ways to go about learning it was this way and it was a very left brain linear write it and you know read it kind of a way math time tests visual kids hate tests they hate time tests but there was this one way to do it so there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, and unfortunately then he acted out with inappropriate behavior. And again, that behavior is never okay. You can understand where it's coming from, but you still have to address the behavior. So we did a couple of things. So the what we did at home was when we recognized what those areas were, so for example, the reading and him feeling unsure about all this, we really stepped it up with our sight words. We um, You know, I have on my blog a list of kindergarten sight words and first grade sight words, and I have a lot of activities there. Well, we did it at home. We made our our flashcards and we played with them at breakfast time, and we did them after school, or we made funny sentences out of them. But we tried to be casual about it, and a few at a time. But man, we drilled those words. We made sure he was reading to us. We kept reading to him, uh, his spelling words. We did a lot more writing of his spelling words and practicing our handwriting and, you know, whatever we could about math. And, And now that we're in second grade and I look back, wow, thank goodness we did what we did. It made a huge difference in building up his confidence so that he was felt a lot better about doing the work in the classroom and his attitude did lighten up and his you know he was ashamed he just felt so inferior so the more that we did at home in encouraging his ability and kind of giving him the confidence you know this stuff you know it so, separating what do you know and how it's being done or not done or tested or not tested compared to the behavior, it was good to separate those things. So, as far as the classroom, he ended up at some point on this program called the Check In and Check Out program. So, well, I think a lot of districts do this, but they implement it in different ways. If your child is on that program, I would just encourage you to find out how it's being administered and um, just stay involved with it. you know when they um, consider putting them on it, you know the idea is that the kids are are they acknowledge certain areas of the day or times of the day and then the kids get feedback, they get points or and they get feedback on hey, you know you were, you know, loud or shouting out, or you didn't do your work in this class or that. And when they get a certain number of points, then they can earn a reward. And for him, the reward was go to the gym at the end of the day and play basketball or scoops or whatever. And that was good, you know. And then there was a touch point and a and a person to talk to and to feel good about. Like oh, Mr. So and So, you know, was one of the gym teachers, and that's good, you know. They. Um so it it seemed like a positive thing when it started and um and and he had to be you know there was just some different ways of you know how to be uh, accountable they also at one point suggested he work with the reading specialist and i you know at first i think his mom and and us we felt a little bit like oh no you know that's a natural my kid needs a specialist or he's not You kind of got to get over that. Like, there's just no room for that. If your school is offering you some special programming, say yes. You know, I mean, obviously you evaluate it and make sure it's the right thing for your child. But don't let pride or things like that get in the way. If it's the right program, just do it. And, you know, for a visual kid, he's in this noisy classroom. It's really distracting. He's feeling insecure. So whatever, whether he's internalizing it or acting out when you work at the reading specialist, there is one-on-one, this one person is going to help you learn something, and then you go back in the classroom, and you feel pretty darn good about that you're gaining skill. This is a good thing, and she was a wonderful uh, woman, just was very encouraging, and he, between what we did at home and that, it was great, you know, he really gained some things. Um, and so, there were some things in place, we were understanding at home, what parts of the classroom were difficult. But I have to say, my disappointment was that the classroom teacher, and when we had these, you know, 500 people meetings, they were not hearing what we had to say about what certain things were hard. So I said, you know, like, time tests like the whole idea of the test and the time and he knows way more math than this so to keep beating him up because he can't hit a certain number on you know one plus stuff come on and no that's the way they do it they do time tests and you get through this until you can do this and I understand we need to accomplish certain things but the lack of consideration for the way he learned and what parts might have been triggering the negative feelings, there wasn't much consideration on that. So that's probably my biggest disappointment in it all. But um, again, but we wanted to protect him. You know, you this is a child. And you have to protect your own child's self-esteem and their own feelings about themselves and you don't want to compete with the school and you don't want to say negative things about the school but how do you talk about it in a way that you can help them identify how they're feeling and and also let them vent how they're feeling so you know one night it's one of those real late night kind of tender times, and I just could see he was really weary and, um, you know, just was really feeling down about things. And so, you know, you're just kind of, kind of one of those kind of, you know, those parents talks when you're kind of talking without them knowing that it's serious. And I said, and that the lights were out and it's kind of getting ready for bed. And I said, you know, honey, I just feel like you're really sad or you're angry about something. What's up? He said, I am really sad. I said, Why? He said, I don't want to go to school. I don't like school. And I said, Well, what is it about school that you don't like? Now, this was so poignant. I wrote this in my journal because, you know, for a six-year-old to be able to this articulate, I wanted to capture this, but he said, I don't like school, and I'm really mad you keep making me go there because every day I'm bad. He said, I just can't be a good boy. I try, and I try, and then something goes wrong, and I just can't change it. He said, it's like two trains on different tracks, and I can't get them on the same track. I was really taken aback at his clarity or his ability to articulate that. So, yeah, this kid has some good comprehension and vocabulary um, and is able to express himself. So we talked about, you know, why they think he's a bad boy at school and what it was of why he thought he couldn't get better. And, you know, it was about this. He was so frustrated that he couldn't. He would just get mad, and then he would do bad things. And he knew he was doing bad things, but he didn't know kind of how to separate it or how to control it. So, you know, we talked about how school was two separate things. There's the, the work that you're doing, the reading, the writing, the math. And we talked about how he was doing and what was getting better, and so he would feel good about himself and kind of be able to see his progress. But then we talked the second part, probably the second train, was about how he's behaving, and yeah, that is where he was having a hard time, but he was doing better, and he was doing a lot of things right, and then we just talked about, you know, kind of what it was going to be to kind of get to that next place of, of, and you know, how to control those feelings, or when to be able to talk about it. So again, for his parent, for his mom, and, and for us, it was just so poignant to see and to understand. He knew that what he was doing was inappropriate, but he's six. He just day after day after day of being in this situation where he's not seen for what he is, or he can't operate the way that's natural to him or the way that's right to him, but he can't talk about it or articulate it and nobody's listening. And the frustration and the discouragement. So, you know, we paid attention at home and we, you know, worked on, again, whatever kind of help we could give at home. And wow, his skills got better. He was feeling better. But, you know, there would just be things at school that there were certain times when certain assignments or certain tests were so incredibly inappropriate. Or would be naturally challenging for any visual kid and he just would be so overwhelmed or frustrated and yet there was never any consideration for that. It was just that he was wrong. And um you know, we kept him in that check in check out program, but you know, I remember at one of the conferences, I remember my husband saying you know, guys, I'm not sure any of us could pass through the day if we had to be evaluated all day long on what we were doing and, and just kind of, well, I see the good in this program, but, you know, might we be going too far? Then we realized when he came home every day, he would say, I'm a 44, I'm a 23, I'm a 22, I'm a 66. He was gauging his his self-worth his, his opinion of himself became the numbers on that score sheet. One time he went, and he, we were just growing increasingly dissatisfied. This was not okay. And one day he had gone for about a week or 10 days of these great scores, everything's good, so good. And then he came home and he had like a, he crashed, literally, went from a 66 to like a 22, and just, he did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this. I said, guys, why? What happened? Oh, we don't want to talk about that. We just want to talk about he did wrong. No, no, no. A kid, there's some, what happened? What was different? So we found out eventually that he had three kinds of tests on that day, and they were all things that were just really tough for visual kids. So again, the behavior's not appropriate, but come on, let's figure out where it's coming from. So eventually we just um, stopped. We, we asked him to be off that program because it was such a scarlet letter. You know, we found out that part of what was happening that he had to actually have this page on a clipboard and he carried it with him all day long. So when he was in his morning class, but then when he he switched rooms, he had to carry the clipboard, the scarlet letter to the next room and they had to evaluate him. If he went in the hallway to lunch, they evaluated him. When he went in the hallway to gym class, they evaluated him. So all day long, anybody that crossed his path had to mark on this thing. Oh, he touched somebody. Oh, he pushed somebody in line. Oh, I mean, oh my gosh, are you kidding? And just every single thing he did, was written on this paper and he had to carry this around all day. So we we're like, yeah, no, this isn't happening anymore. So, um, and again, we were all about holding him accountable for his behavior, but let's do that without destroying a child's self-esteem and sense of self. And let's take some responsibility that there might be something in the system that is causing some of the behavior or the frustration. So, you know, we did a few other things toward the end of the school year. You know, they had a few other methods to do it. And and overall, things had gotten much better. But, you know, first grade had a pretty sour stress, a sour taste in our mind. Now, you know, overall, we were careful all through this to always remind our grandson who he was, what he was good at, what the way he thinks, and, and, you know, what was good. We remind him of the good parts of school. You know, we always stayed positive about it. But we always made it a safe place for him to be able to say what it was that was hard or what was bothering him. Didn't give him a free pass, but he's allowed to think and feel how he thinks, and it was okay for him to have an outlet for that. We still expected appropriate behavior at home and at school, and we talked about the negatives and, you know, what needed to be corrected or that. And there was great improvement, but we worked on it in a way that kept his self-esteem intact and, and who he was. Now, you know, the school, the teachers and the staff, these were a kind, lovely group of people. They weren't evil. They're not, you know, there wasn't the, no Miss Hannigans or anything. They were lovely people. But their goals and their beliefs just didn't have room to consider this visual learner and and the way he thought or or, you know, any adaptations he might need or adjustments. They were... Very focused, they had their goals, they had their way they were getting there, and they were kind, lovely people who wanted to do right by him, by the kids, and they still do. It's just that what their goal was is different than what he would, he needed. So, you know, we ended first grade. Um, gosh, we were happy to be done with homework. <laughs> I think a lot of parents feel like that at the end of a school year, but um, and that was just first grade. So over the summer, our grandson and his mom moved. They have their own place now, and they are in a different school district, so they're still close by. We still have a lot of involvement, and in fact, I see him after school almost every day because his school is close to our offices, but they're in a different school district, and technically, it would be a less favored school district. They don't have the same test scores. They have a messier, may I say, population. You know, it's not so clear-cut, race-to-the-top group. There's different levels of ability and expectations and socioeconomic factors. But in some ways, it's been a blessing. In his particular school— they know they're not going to meet those numbers that were set out for them. And, you know, they don't say that at a teacher conference, but, you know, kind of privately I heard that. And and in some ways it gives them a freedom. Like, yes, they're going to do the best they can do and want a committed bunch of teachers and the principal and the staff. But they they get to focus more on the kids. They've got a real mix of learners. they got a mix of of backgrounds, a mix of socioeconomics. They got a mix of factors. So they're not as, they're much more focused on how do I get to that kid? How do I get to this kid? But they still have high expectations. There's still homework. There's still grades. There's still goals. But there's just a different twist and an edge to it. And there's just room in there. There's room for kids to be a little bit different than that standard middle kid that is going to perform a certain way on a test. So there's just room for different kinds of kids. So the good news is he's so much happier this year at school. His um he's a great teacher. Um, he he there's no behavior problems at all. He's having a lovely time. We've been to conferences, we've just great things and our focus this year is math. I'm going to talk about that in some other podcasts and some other videos, like what is it about math and visual learners. But overall, I cannot believe the difference, a school, a teacher, a year, whatever, what can it can make. So these are just some kind of wrap up thoughts for you. And if you're having any of this experience with your own kids in school, and it doesn't have to be first grade, it can be, you know, sophomore year, or seventh grade, you know, wherever they're at in school. So first, I would encourage you, remember who your child is. God made your child perfect for what they have ahead of them in life. They might not want to read, but yes, they need to learn how to read, and you're going to figure out a way, the teacher's going to figure out a way how to get them there, but they're perfect. You're, you, there's nothing wrong. There's no deficits here. There's nothing negative about it. They just are who they are, and value that. You know, Don't ever get into school and let some test scores or charts or or this is the norm, don't let it get you off track about valuing who your kid is and really seeing who they are. Just appreciate them and just treasure them for how God made them. Now, I would encourage you figure out your school. You know, do you have a school who is so focused in a direction that's contrary to what your child needs or who's the teacher, what do they like, what are they not, you know, just what is their objective and what is their goal, but what does your child need and how can you work together and partner for the best for both of them. Now, never get into an adversarial relationship with school. They've got all, a very complex system and it's a very burdensome system and you can't even begin in understanding or, you know, what it is they're going through or what they're doing. And so just find out, just get educated, stay involved, stay connected, but look for win-win kinds of things for them and for your kids. Now, if you're number three, if your school offers help, take it. You know, obviously research it, review it. Is it the right fit? But, uh, you know, don't get Prideful or embarrassed or whatever, you know, if if it's a good thing that's going to help your child, say yes. Number four, really commit to doing what you need to do at home. And again, if we hadn't done our flashcards and our writing and and you know really excelling at that homework. We in first grade, I don't know that he would have made it in first grade or we'd have a very different kid that would not be very ready or prepared for second grade. And so and that builds, you know, you let that go every year. Oh, my gosh. By the time you're in fourth or fifth grade and this is serious writing and homework and reading, you know, you've got every year really does matter, So whether you can do it with your child, whether it's a tutor, a neighbor, grandma, because mom is busy or, you know, whoever is that right personality in the family, make the commitment to do it. And, you know, my blog, BettyFetter.com, that's what we're there for. Helping parents create success for their visual learners. So we have the tips and tools of what can you do to help. So please check out what we have and we're always adding more stuff. Number five. Leave plenty of time and space for your kids to be who they are. You know, we have to be careful. They're, you know, they're in school a long time during the day. We have to be careful that it's not three hours of homework at night or it's two hours or, and then it's going to bed and reading and why do they get to play Legos? Where's art class? Where's makeup time, you know, make-believe time and and exploring and adventuring and running outside or science and experiments and our kids need time to be kids so yes we're going to make that commitment for that little extra that they need but they also need mental health they need time to just relax and be who they are meant to be who they are and so Oh, my gosh, honor that, but just let them enjoy it and, you know, let them have those times. So that's it for today. And I really appreciate your being here. And um, again, I don't want to speak negatively about first grade or, or any school or teacher, but, you know, for visual kids, there can just be some challenges in fitting into the school system. And uh, the more we understand it and can articulate it, we can recognize it's not our kid or it's not this or it's not that. It's just happening. And what do we do about it and help them identify it and and make it a positive. Let's keep it positive. So thank you so much. And check out the blog, BettyFetter.com. And I'd love to. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you.